Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. Join us on a deep dive into the heart of what makes writing songs and making music so magical. Let's find out what makes songwriters tick, and along the way, remember why we love music. Welcome to Pitch List. Hey everyone, Chris Lindsay here. I want to thank everyone who listened to our season four and welcome you to a special mini-sode as we break for the holidays. Earlier this summer, we ran a song contest on social media to give you guys the opportunity to enter an original song and get yourself an interview on the show. Today we are talking with our dual winners because both of their songs were just too damn good not to pick. We'll be hearing about their songwriting journeys, listening to their songs, and doing some live feedback. First up, it's Mike Kelly. Good afternoon. We've got a special edition of Pitch List today, something we've never done before, and I'm really excited. Uh, Dana had an idea to do a, a, a song contest. Um, it's been going on for a little while. We had a bunch of entries. Uh, we got it down, and, and what happened, and just so, because I, I think... Dana told you, Mike, but I'm letting you know, there were two songs that we both loved. And and they were so close that I just wanted to make co-winners because I just couldn't handle either one of you guys being, you know, not being able to get a little press out of it because they were great. So one of our guys is Mike Callie, and he's talking to us today. And uh, so welcome to Pitchless, Mike. How are you doing? Thank you. This is awesome. I'm doing well. This is very surreal. I'm not used to talking back to you when I'm listening to the podcast. Wow. So this is awesome. Thank you for having me. And it's oh, an man. honor. Well, that's very sweet for you to say. Thank you. And uh, I'm just glad we got people out there listening. It's great. Um, so you are from New Jersey. I heard you and Dana talking before. What, what town in New Jersey? Yeah, small world. Dana and I are actually from about five, 10 minutes away from each other. Uh, here in New Jersey. I'm from a town called Marlboro, New Jersey. This okay. is where I grew up. I'm a re- uh, I was actually born in Brooklyn, New York, if we get technical. Um, and I actually spent uh, the better part of the last decade out in the Midwest. Uh, but I am in New Jersey right now. Right on. How far are you guys from uh, New York City? I'm about a 40-minute car ride from, from New York and about an hour from Philly. So we're situated right in the middle. Right on. Yeah, I got to visit some friends at a place called Bayhead, New Jersey, on 4th of July. That's right on the water, right? It's beautiful there. Yeah, very. it's a cool little beach community there. Um, yeah, right on the water. It's really beautiful, man. Uh, it was about the same, I guess, 45-minute drive from the city, I think. But we right, won't. yeah, New Jersey gets a lot of uh, flack, you know, uh, in the mainstream media. But when you come to New Jersey, you start believing and seeing that it's a beautiful place. It is. And it's worth saying, you know, probably because of the Sopranos and other TV shows, people think of it as this grisly uh, outskirts of New York City. And really, 99 percent of New Jersey is farmland and beautiful coastline. It's country. It's country. It's the garden. It's that's the garden state and the yeah, state flag. Yeah. I just learned on Jeopardy this week that uh, there is a one of the figures, one of the women, I think, on the New Jersey state flag is holding a cornucopia representing the abundance of produce that comes from New Jersey. 
That's great. <laughs> I know there's a lot of farming in New Jersey. I know there's a lot. Um, let's talk yeah. about you, man. Let's talk about, um, do you play in local bands there in your town or mostly production? I, or tell us, tell us about how you do your time and how do you Sure. Play? I, I've always done music uh, since I was younger. I started, I was a choir kid. I was a jazz band kid. I played the trumpet. And it wasn't until I went to college that I started picking up the guitar, getting some positive feedback uh, in the dorm room when I started singing and got the encouragement of my friends to do open mics. And that's when that started at Villanova in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And I uh, then began performing um, at different events uh, as when then I graduated college, went to Pittsburgh, where I uh, really started playing a lot more out on different stages, opening up for national acts as they came through Pittsburgh. Uh, and um, really, I really enjoy performing. And, and that's definitely, definitely a part. I've been writing songs since I'm, I'm, I'm very young, uh, since I'm probably about 16 years old. Um, and uh, it wasn't until the pandemic when I had sort of a come to moment, uh, I did the whole nine to five corporate thing and uh, kind of put music on the back burner. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it wasn't until the pandemic presented itself as a time of recentering for myself. And uh, I was able to kind of structure my time during the day in a way that um, really was a blessing um, to, to uh, come back to music. So am I hearing you right that during the pandemic, you sort of did uh, some refocusing on what was important to you and you had another job, right? Yes, of course. Yeah. I had to pay, I have to pay the bills and sure, man. I had Everybody a, does. so prior, prior to the pandemic, I was working in a nine to five uh, job, mm -hmm. uh, nine to five corporate doing the cubicle thing. And um, before about two years prior to the pandemic, I decided to uh, take the risk of starting my own company. And this was not this was not music related, um, but something that I was tremendously passionate about, stemming from my nine to five job. And at the time, I was living in Pittsburgh when I was doing my nine to five job. And I decided to start a company with my brother. We moved out to South Bend, Indiana. So that was while I was working on the startup. I had this amazing opportunity to go out to Los Angeles and um, sing on a television show. And uh, that was to date the biggest, the biggest performance that I've ever had. Right. And it was tremendously validating. And my first time under the lights, so to speak, as a performer. Um, and how did, uh, how did that go? Was it fun or was it terrifying or both? Or how was it? It was both. It was tremendously fun. I met a lot of great people who I still keep in touch to this day. Mm -hmm. um, and a, it, it was a sort of a frightening experience. It was a kind of a one and done kind of a performance. I knew that it was my moment to perform and, and I had to do it. And um, all in all, I was very happy with the way that it came out. I was somewhat playing a character. So the nature of the show was focused on um, myself as the wedding singer or as um, what, what, what I was doing um, in real life, uh, but only a characterized television persona of that, if that makes sense. So um, a, little, a little acting too. A little singing and acting. A little singing and a little acting. Thank you for helping me beef up the resume there, Chris. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, I know. Um, so um, how much do you write? Do you write every week, every day, a couple of times a week? How much do you write songs? I, I try and write songs a little bit every day. Uh, it wasn't until during the pandemic when I really tapped into uh, all of this knowledge that um, is out there on the internet. Your podcast included has been tremendously influential. Um, in terms of discovering songwriting as an industry and as a career, 
which wasn't something that was really introduced to me just by the nature of where I'm from in here sure. in here in New Jersey. Um, something that was unfamiliar to you know my parents and my early mentors. Um, but it wasn't until uh, kind of discovering songwriting as an industry that I began to approach it with a more kind of business type mindset, if that makes any sense, where yeah. I'm a little more structured um, about organizing my time. Um, I've, like I said, I've been writing songs my entire life, but never with the sort of, um, I would say, organization and structure that I did since the beginning of 2021. 2021 really turned a new page for me in terms of uh, co-writing and connecting with other people. Um, something that I feel so blessed to discover um, and has really led to some uh, really great things, um, meeting great people, uh, such as the writers that I that I wrote the song that eventually led to us meeting. So, um, great man. So, how um, when you're writing, like from a commercial standpoint now, and your kind of new vision with this, who 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 do you who are you want to pitch your songs to? Do you do you write country? Or are you more pop and rock or? pop country or what, who would be like the ultimate artist for you to get a cut on? That's a great question. Uh, I, I would say, uh, right now I love, um, I don't know whether they're accepting open, open songs, but I love, it's okay. Pie in the sky. Just anybody. Pie, this is a pie in the sky. I love old dominion. Um, okay. Keith urban, um, okay. Kenny Chesney, uh, Tim McGraw. I don't know that I necessarily am sitting down and writing specifically for these people at this moment, though, if that makes any sense. Sure. Um, I, I found myself having more success um, kind of writing for the artists that I'm working with at the time right now and kind of taking baby steps towards um, and honing, honing my skill set and kind of discovering what value that I have to bring to a writing room. So I'll give you a perfect example is the, the song that, that was the entry into the contest um, was writing with um, my now friend, Matt Friedman, uh, who is a tremendous uh, writing talent um, and um, has been really, really inspiring in terms of his work ethic. It makes it a lot more attainable in terms of having success with writing that song for him. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And also, as you kind of hone your craft and you start taking shots at Keith Urban, Kenny Chesney, you know, Amy and my wife and I have always said, you know, target writing. Some people can target write. For us, it's in a lot of people I know, it's really difficult to say, if you get in a room and say, hey, let's write a song for Keith Urban today. You really have to just do do something great. You know what I mean? And I hear you on the I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and similar situation. No one knows about songwriting. Nobody knows anything about, I mean, they barely know anything about the music business. And it's very hard to have any information when you're growing up. And you're very, um, that's why things like NSAI that do local chapters is so great. Um, so what's your, what's your next, um, give us your next year. Are you continue to hone your skills as a songwriter? Do you, do you find that Nashville's in your future or do you think you'll work from here or how's your other business doing? Talk to us about all that. So uh, I'll start with what, what you most recently said uh, about the startup business. There was, uh, during the pandemic, we had to make the decision to wind down the business, okay. uh, which was kind of led to a bit of a grieving process, believe it or not. Uh, it's a really sad thing to see something you pour so much of your heart and soul into kind of come down. Um, and I think a part of healing from that um, 
is music and 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 kind of recentering myself on um, being able to recenter myself on something um, that feels a lot more natural to me. When I make music, I almost feel like I'm pushing a ball downhill. When I was working on the startup, I felt like I was just continually pushing the ball uphill for so long. And um, it's really it's it's really a beautiful thing to have that come to moment and say, this is what I want to do. This is this is the thing that I want to do. And it might not make sense to a lot of people that are around me right now um, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, their knowledge of songwriting as an industry. Um, it's very, very minimal, like you were saying. So, um, you know, I'm really focused on kind of allowing just natural things to happen uh, when it comes to music. And it's really been a blessing and a beautiful thing. And um, I, I've, I've been receiving a lot of great feedback, this contest included. I'm, I feel so grateful to have been recognized because oftentimes, I mean, you probably know this from experience, like writing songs feels like you're driving in a car during the middle of the night for a very long time <laughs> and you don't really... You don't really know where you're going, you know, but like you yeah. have to stay, you have to stay awake. You have to keep going. Yeah. And, and, and I say you have to, because it's a calling. It's like, a, like you feel like you, this is what you're meant to be meant to be doing. And, sure. um, you know, this contest is like, I equate it to receiving a cup of coffee during that car ride and, um, you know, st- keeping you awake and giving you like, Hey, everything's going to be all right. You just keep going. You know, you're, 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 you're onto something. Um, which I think, um, that's not necessarily why I do it, but it's definitely a very validating, th- um, thing, especially as an independent, uh, writer. Um, and, um, you know, my goal is to, uh, eventually, I guess not be an independent writer, but you know, to uh, to make a living playing music. And if I speak from a really high level in terms of my goal right now, it's to uh, you know have a beautiful family and uh, make music for a living, and um, ha- have have a studio, have a home studio out in the backyard. Um, and uh, that's that's my that's my goal and i think that's where my car is going that's where that's where my car ride is headed to that's awesome man i love that you specifically know the things that you want because i was telling someone else just something i've learned in life if you can't write down on a piece of paper exactly what you want and i mean exactly like a figure or a or you know a job description um you can't get it because you don't know what it is. You, you, your heart and your subconscious and your heart is a, an incredibly powerful weapon, but it has to be focused, right? And I love, I love the the vision of your life that you said is so awesome, and uh, and I love the car analogy because, boy, I remember I was here in Nashville for four years and I was close uh, to thinking, well, this isn't going to work and I'm going to have to go home, you know, and you know. And, you know, you always have those nagging doubts. What if it doesn't work? What if it, you know, because it's a hard thing to do and you don't get a lot of validation. Even when you live in Nashville, you tend to be in a community with people in the same boat as you. And there's a lot of negative talk in those communities, you know. So I think it's great you have a positive outlook. And, you know, I always say it, but it's like we don't ever know where we can go, but we do know we can get better. Right. We keep getting better. and then. Most people I've seen that really, another great thing you said is the calling. This business, songwriting business has a way of shaking out people who are not truly called, right? Because it just gets too hard. It gets too hard. So I think you do need a calling for it. And I think you're kicking ass, man. 
So oh, I'm going to, are you cool if we go, uh, I would really love to listen to your song again and then talk after that. Is that okay? That sounds great, Chris. And this is Mike Callie and your song is Once Upon a Lime. You ready? Here we go. On a four-hour flight and it was just me My girl left last night, I feel I'm getting down On one knee, I guess it was meant to be She came from Georgia, she's single again She caught up cheating, you didn't know what he had So she's so low, leaving him behind Gonna let the beach clear her mind Once upon a time we both had nothing Showed up on an island, both heartbroken In the white sand, drink in my head You were standing at the bar Looking like a tank Could have drank it to get it straight down Thank God I'll figure something out My excuse to slide next to you Tell the bartender cut up a few That's about the time Once upon a lava man, you Once upon a lava man I bought the first shot to get your name And then the next shot to forget why we came We took the third round to the third floor We barely made it through the door Once upon a time we both had nothing Showed up on an island, both heartbroken In the white sand, drink in my head You were standing at the bar Looking like a tank With a drink that to keep it straight down Thank God I'll figure something out My excuse to slide next to you Tell the bartender cut up a few That's about the time Once upon a lava man You Once upon a lava man We're on the same page, on the same way Drinking to forget their names Both hitting rock bottom on the same day Sitting in the white sand, drinking my head You were standing at the bar, looking like a tank Could have drank that tequila straight down Thank God I'll figure something out I used to slide next to you Tell the bartender to cut up a few And about the time Once upon a lava man You Once upon a lava man Yeah, man. Really great. Thanks, Chris. Really great. I, 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 I have to, I have to have to shine the light on the two other guys that I wrote the song with. Great. Please um, do. Yes. And I'm so lucky to have met them this year. Um, Shane Gray, he's from outside of San Francisco. Okay. And Matt Friedman, who is a pop country artist. Uh, I should first say, Shane, I've actually just found on Instagram. I literally came across one of the songs that he wrote on Instagram. 
and I listened to the words and it felt like a real song, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I yeah. said, I gotta, I gotta reach out to this guy. Uh, so I did. And we instantly connected and we began writing. And then uh, separately, I reached out to Matt Friedman, uh, who is a Philly-based country pop artist. And I met him through an app actually called We Should Write Sometime. I'm not sure whether you're familiar. Yeah, I know that app. Sure. Really a blessing. And one of the things that uh, has helped make songwriting feel like a real thing to me up here in New Jersey, if that makes sense, connecting me with artists. Um, and other collaborators to work with. And Matt was another guy I reached out to and we instantly connected. And he uh, is in the process of launching his own uh, pop country uh, career. And um, I have been working on uh, an EP with him uh, that's due out uh, by the end of the year. And this is one of the songs that we kind of sat down together to write. I connected Matt with Shane, which is something that I love doing. I love connecting people that I feel like are going to work well together. And uh, this song happened to come out of that and um, came out of a voice note that Matt actually sent to me kind of with that rhythmic um, intro that you heard the uh, I came from. And then he just kind of had a bunch of gibberish. And then we all got together and kind of filled in the blanks. And uh, yeah, that's how that happened. Love it. Well, I, I got to point out, you know me, I got to point out some things that I think are really fantastic. Please. So is, is that Matt singing? So that's me singing, actually. Not you singing. Um, this is a whole vocal, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I, I uh, actually created this demo after our write and, um, you know, I did it in logic uh, from actually the room that I'm sitting in right now uh, here in my house. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on a journey to try and get this thing sounded like it came out of an actual studio. That's pretty damn good, man. I, I love a couple of things I've got to comment on for everybody listening who's who's uh, kind of working their thing and trying to get it going. The hustle, man, this is what we call a hustle, okay? You find somebody on Instagram that you like. You don't wait. You don't wonder. You reach out to them. You make that connection. You start working. You've got another guy, Matt, and you think, hey, this would be a good uh, three-way right, and I think these ingredients would be right, and you make that happen. And you uh, you became aware of him, an artist up in your area that you could probably get to easily. And I think for a writer, what you want to do is exactly what you're doing is be proactive. I'm just, I'm complimenting you. That is the kind of proactive hustle that'll get you somewhere, man. That's exactly right. That's good. Congratulations, man. I think that's you know, you can sit in your room and write great stuff, you know, forever. You know what I mean? But you need to get out and do those collaborations and you need to make those connections that because collaborations bring out different things. You know, I'm sure you figure that out as in your in your writing. Um, and also just Thanks, another, in, uh, another thing I got to say, this type of song is not easy to write. OK. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's easier to write a more heartfelt, my heart is aching kind of song. Something with an up. There's another thing going on, which I love, which we used to always call cross casting. So you've got a little bit of a heartbreak story going on, but you've got a up-tempo music. So it's, they're kind of, they're two different things, right? So, and I used to always call it cross casting. So if you've got a sad lyric, put it with a happy melody. If you've got a happy melody, put it with a sad lyric. It's it always makes things more interesting. And then, it you know, another thing about the song that I really love, the chorus lifts and kind of explodes on you. 
which is always great. And then the other thing is it just sounds very current and contemporary and uh, very radio. You know what I mean? Very, this, this is kind of song that people need, right? So you, you're filling a gap of, if an artist is making a record, a pop country artist or just whatever kind of country artist, they're going to write the ballads, man. You know what I mean? They're going to have a girl that broke their heart and they're pissed off. And they're going to write that song. Now, if you write it with them, that's great. But this is the song I need, right? This I, could, I could totally relate. I could totally relate to what you're saying. I'm naturally a ballad guy. And, right. and part of, part of uh, this whole, my, the year of 2021 goals was to push myself as more of an up-tempo writer. Yeah. Um, because that's what I've heard is 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 more attractive and wanted by artists, and um, I, I you know I'm trying to get get my reps in, and I really appreciate all your kind words, and I I would love to hear your kind of critique or feedback or where it could get 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 better, uh, kind of a thing. Um, of these, you know, really curious to hear that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you nailed that so on the head, and I um I'm really proud that you acknowledge that it's an up tempo song because I am naturally a ballad guy. Yeah, a lot of us are. A lot of us are when you start out you start out writing to, to you sort of just like bleed all over the page. You know what I mean? It's like, it's an outpouring of your emotion and that's right. And that's good. But as a professional writer, you have to figure out how to get these things in a little bit, some little packages, right? That being said, I built our whole property off of ballads. So I should not say the ballads don't work because they do. And it would be stupid of me to say that, it's just when you're looking for your first publishing deal, you want to have some tempo or mid stuff to show them. You need to, you need to have that, you know? Yeah. I, yeah, this is, this is all super helpful to hear. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I definitely have Nashville set in my GPS, so to speak. I don't have exact, I don't have an exact move date, but I hear that if I want to make it happen, I have to come to Nashville. And um, my goal is to kind of start a snowball up here in New Jersey and then roll that snowball to Nashville. I'm well aware of the 10 year rule. And I'm like, yeah. I got to start my clock. I got to get there so I can start my, well, start my clock, you know? Don't let people scare you, you know? Don't let people scare you. We're all on a different journey and we're all at different places, right? But if you hustle and make connections, it happens way faster. Well, man, um, I'm really impressed, Mike. Uh, love the song. Uh, just say thanks to your co-writers for letting us hear it. And uh, y'all just keep rocking, man. Um, I'm impressed and I think you're going to go far. And uh, I really appreciate you uh, submitting the song and letting us do a little interview with you, man. It's really been great. Chris, I really appreciate it. Chris and Dana, thank you so much for having oh. me. On behalf of my co-writers too, um, really, really an honor. We're you know inspired by... Uh, the podcast on a regular basis. So uh, to just be here, you know, for, just for a little bit is amazing and um, a real honor. So thank you so much for having us. This is uh, Mike Callie and this is Pitch List. Don't go away. Pitch List will be right back after the break. Thanks for listening to the Pitch List mini-sode thus far. Next up, we've got our co-winner, Daniel Leathersitch. Good morning. We got a special, special show today. Um, you know what? I was gonna, uh, I was gonna say uh, we're we're gonna be honest with the people. I can't not be honest. I can't pretend. <laughs> that. Okay, this guy is a uh, a guy who is a co-winner on our song contest. A dude named Daniel Leatherstitch, who is the nicest guy in the world. Hey, we, we had an interview two days ago in which we did a full pitch list interview. 
And somehow this has never happened in the history of the show, but we had a technical glitch and it did not record or it recorded and got lost. We cannot believe me. We, we can't get it. So Daniel has graciously agreed to do the show again. And we discussed briefly, we'll just try to get it natural, but I think the best way to, for it to be natural, Daniel, is that we just tell them what happened and then we're <laughs> going to move on. So without any further ado, this is Daniel Leatherstitch on take two of the uh, pitch list song contest. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me again. Yeah. <laughs> and well, you know what? It was a good, it was a good warm up, and now we, we've got to know each other a little bit and we can talk more like friends. Um, so let's, let's talk about you. You sent in a song as I, uh, we talked about before we got a bunch of songs. We felt like your song and another song were so close. Actually, I felt this. I didn't want to make one the winner and not one the winner because they were very close and I was just going to be bummed out for either one of you guys. So. <laughs> Uh, we did a co-winner thing. Your song is called Ball Cap. It's a great, great demo of you with just uh, vocal and acoustic guitar. And we're going to play that later. But just to, just to point out for everybody listening, when you hear this, think about how great it works with just a guitar vocal. It's really, really effective. And I think that's the thing to kind of pay attention to in the in the world of new songwriters who are always wondering, do I demo? Do I not? Um, tell us about yourself, Daniel. Where are you from? Uh, I grew up around Philadelphia. I kind of lived a little bit of all over Midwest and Northeast and um, lived at the beach for a summer in New Jersey. That was exciting. Um, and then kind of wound up in Nashville about four years ago after making trips back and forth and, um, you know, deciding if, if it was the place for me. And uh, little by little, I fell in love with Nashville more and more and more and realized that if I wanted to tackle this songwriting dream that this was the place to be so you said you made uh, multiple trips kind of feeling out Nashville, right what was the uh what was the thing that sort of pushed you over the edge to, that made you decide hey man I'm, I'm going to move here um a couple things one just the talent you know walking into a room where you don't know anybody you never heard of anybody and having them blow your absolute socks straight off your feet yeah. Um, you know, on a Tuesday at six o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing I love about Nashville is you can pretty much go do anything anytime and be impressed by the talent level. Yep. Um, and also just hearing people's stories like, you know, um, everybody has something that goes along the lines of didn't know what I was doing, came to Nashville, made friends, had success. So, yeah. you know, that's what I'm doing, too. So you oh, got it. So you were attracted to the level of talent here. And then you were also attracted to a story that you heard, which is this is a this is doable, right? Yes. This yes. is this is not like a, a pipe dream that's not possible. Um, it is difficult. And it, you know, did you have any moments when you moved where you thought, oh crap, this is not a good idea? Or was it pretty much like this is the right place for me to be the whole time? Uh the hardest part was the transition from there to here. Because okay. it involved, you know, quitting jobs and selling a house and, you know, living apart from my wife for almost a year and wow. wondering where money was going to come from and all that, all that stuff. But, wow. you know, it's life and it sorts itself out if you stay focused and decide what, what you want and go after it. So that's so you you right. OK, so you had a more complicated life. You weren't just uh, 
right out of high school and throwing your stuff in a pickup truck. Exactly. So I didn't even buy a guitar until I was 23. Wow. So what, uh, what were you doing before? I read a little bit, but tell us. Um, I've always written. I've always written poetry. I've been keeping a journal for, I don't know, 30 years or something like mm -hmm. that. Uh, I've written short stories, written novels. I think a lot of people come to songwriting from the song side. They like singing. They like rock bands. They like right, music. Play, yeah, musicians. Um, yeah, musicians. And I, I like music too, obviously. But I was always a writer, so I come from it from a writing perspective, the, the creative, the creation, the process, all that stuff I love mm -hmm. about, um, you know, writing in general, but, you know, songwriting is in specific. Um, so, uh, yeah, does that answer your question? I forget what the question was. <laughs> yeah, I forgot what it was, too. But I like the answer. Yeah. So, oh, I asked. You said you got your first guitar at 23. Right. And right, right. it made me curious. Well, wow, that, that is later to start playing. So you didn't play guitar before 23. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Um, yeah. I was also a, a visual artist. I made paintings and um, right. things like that with it. So I've been kind of thinking creatively. I've been I, like, I'm, I know how to talk about work. I know how to think through a problem. I know how to, um, make decisions creatively. And I think that has helped in songwriting. You know, I think if you come here in your, in your teens or for college or right after college and you haven't had the opportunity to be creative for a long period of time, it's a, it can be a, um, like running into a wall. You know, I work with some young artists who are super talented, but haven't figured out how to think through the creative process efficiently. Not that they can't, but like, it's a slow process. And I remember that uh, right. in, as an artist, you know, it's like, how do I get what I want in my head out? You know? Well, yes. And um, I'm trying to think of a, a politically correct way to say this. When we're younger as writers, we have trouble in general with thinking it's, it, it hurts your head to think and you're not used to it. And, you know, being able to, uh, I had a, a writer kind of take me under his wings when I first moved here, a guy named Kerry Kirk Phillips. He used to say that most people can't concentrate on one thing for longer than 20 seconds. Hmm. Now, I don't know if that's exactly true, but I, I appreciate where he's coming from. And I think sometimes as a creative person in any discipline, like I spent 25 years as a songwriter, I'm now working on a novel and screenplays. And a lot of what I've learned as a songwriter really applies. And I think you're absolutely right. Um, when you're young, you kind of need to learn that anywhere you can and the the example i thought of with you starting late on guitar you can throw a rock and hit a guitar player in nashville i mean i could throw a rock out my back door and hit one i'm telling you because all my neighbors play guitar um finding <laughs> some, rocks at your neighbors all no, the time <laughs> no but uh but finding uh, a great concept person like my wife or a great lyric person rare i love that you came from i think it's really valuable to come from other disciplines long story short, I think it's very valuable. Yeah. Um, well, and, and to be honest, like people told me when I was making paintings that my artist statements were better than my paintings, <laughs> you know, oh. like me being able to think about what I did and, and tell people about it. I was more apt at that than actually creating the work. Right. So it's no, no surprise that I stuck with writing. That's interesting. So they thought you had a little more talent as a writer than yeah. as as a writer, even about your own work as a painter. Yep. 
Isn't it funny? Well, let's talk, let's talk further about your journey. So you got here. It was a year before your wife came to join you here. That had to be difficult, right? Yeah, it was impossible. I mean, I remember uh, I was renting this house that luckily a friend of mine kind of had vacant at the right time. So I got to move in. And that winter, it was like the coldest ever winter on record in Nashville. And it was this little house that didn't really have heat. You know, it was just basically oh, wow. a heat pump. And I had no furniture. I was sleeping on the floor under like seven blankets. And the inside of the house was like 58 degrees wow. you know, all day. And it was 18 degrees outside. And I was like, what am I doing here? You know, where, like, where I'm loving this so far. Yeah. And, you know, trying to find a job and trying to find where to hang out and trying to find friends and trying to write songs at the same time. Did you have moments? Did you have moments there where you're like, I don't know if this is the best idea I've ever had, or did you always feel driven through the whole process? Yeah. I think once I made the choice to come here, it was, it's an all in, you know, it's like, it's like jumping into the river and you got to just got to swim to the other side because you can't get back out on the side you came in on. You know, if you're jumping off a cliff, you can't climb back up the side of the. Yeah, that's a, that's a good analogy. And uh, and plus, I'm sure you had positive things happening that sort of sustained you. Like you said, you can go out these riders nights and just be so inspired or terrified yeah. or both, you know. Yeah, I don't think I was ever afraid to fail or, or, or afraid that I would quit. But there's definitely those moments of, you know, am I good enough? Am I am I not cool enough? Am I too weird am i too old do i do i write hip enough things you know there's a question every day sure but in the end it's like you solve it by writing a song you know <laughs> well yeah and really no matter what your deal is if you do it great all you need is one artist to sort of dig what you do and you're off to the races you know that's usually how it happens and i always say it but it's true for newer writers to town Get out to those writers' nights and find and, and find you a young artist that you really that you really believe in, and then go up there and get involved. You know, get up there and 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 help and like, hey, you need help loading your van up for the gig? Come on, you know, and just get involved with that artist who who's you know who's who's dying for somebody to pay attention to them, right? And to believe in them because they're right where you are, and then. You put a few eggs in those baskets and somebody gets the deal. Now you're writing on that record. You know? Yeah. And, and full disclosure to anybody who's not here doing it is like, even that's hard. You know, I met a lot of yes. young artists along the way. They're like, sure, man, look me up. And then you never hear from them again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that happens. Still yes. happens. It's know? true. It's but true. You, eventually you find your tribe. and Well, exactly. And the problem is everybody, everybody's looking for the, you know, Everyone wants to write with somebody who's higher up on the ladder than them. Okay. And it's a little bit tougher to make connections when everybody's striving, you know, because if y'all are at the same point on the ladder, it's going to, you might both be thinking, well, maybe, but man, it's his, if I could get this guy, you know, he, he writes, he writes with this other guy who is further up the ladder. Maybe I'll write with him and then he'll introduce me. You know what I mean? Well, you also just never know what's going to happen in the future. You know, you, you start writing with somebody who's a, who isn't as good of a singer as you, or may not be as creative as you, or can't play guitar or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you, you know, you build that relationship because they're a good hang, as people say, and they're a cool hang. Uh, and then four years later, that person makes friends with Brad Paisley's drummer or whatever, you know, right. Right. you don't know what's going to happen. So you just find people who you gel with regardless mm -hmm. of 
you know, everybody's goal is to get better. Right. So, so if you find someone, you know, I, I was lucky enough to find a bunch of people through, uh, NSAI, Nashville Songwriters Association. Killer. That's great. Who, um, you know, in the beginning, none of us knew what the hell we were doing. And then, uh, as time went on, we got, we figured out each other and there's some guys that I write funny songs with and some guys that I write tempo country stuff with and some guys that I write real heartfelt stuff with. And, and, uh, you know, if you would have put the four of us in the same room four years ago, you'd be like, these people have nothing in common. Wow. And so, um, and that all came through NSAI. Yeah. That's where I met. I knew, I knew one person when I moved to town, um, a guy who was an independent plugger and, and he was a real kind of champion of what I was starting to do still mm-hmm. is. Um, and he, so I'd come down and, and talk to him a little bit and then go to NSAI meetings and I can literally trace back everybody I know in town to two or three people. Wow. And that's usually what happens. You find one person and it might not be the biggest person in the block, but it is somebody who knows something and that's all it takes. And that you did, how did that, how did you find that person through NSAI? Did you play a song somewhere? How did you, how did they find Yeah, that? actually uh, at a, at a Philadelphia chapter meeting of NSAI, um, it was just kind of a song critique session and we just got to talking after everybody played their song and said, next time I come to Nashville, can I hook, look you up? And he's like, sure. Easy as that. Right. Yeah. Eight years later. <laughs> yeah. But here's, here's the point to focus on. Um, you went to that, that, uh, Philadelphia NSAI chapter meeting. You, mm-hmm. you sought that out and you, you, you carved time out of your schedule and you actually went and you applied yourself and yep. that led to look at all that led to a lot of people would maybe want to do this, but don't follow up and go to their local NSAI. And if they don't have a local, they don't take the trip to Nashville when they can have a week off and, mm-hmm. or, you know, NSAI is so great, man. They will talk, you know, now, I'm sure they have their protocols and everything, but th- their door is open to everyone as far as I can tell. And it's not for everybody. I mean, I know a lot of people who who went for a year and got what they got needed out of it and then went on to something else. But it's just a great place to start. There are people there that want to help songwriters. That's period. right. Yeah. And as you know, and I had the same experience, I think everyone does. When you first move here, you know, you don't know anybody, you know, you don't know anything. And it's a little bit intimidating, you know. Mm-hmm. it's a little bit intimidating. So it would be good to have a place to, I would just suggest that people start there. It's always tough in the beginning, but it all works out. It finds a way to work out. Well, you were talking earlier just about, you know, going to that meeting. And I think there is, it's important to have the commitment, you know, like there were a lot of birthday parties I missed and, you know, holidays I wasn't home for. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like I, I, I didn't go to the Disney world vacation. I didn't go on the family cruises because I was in Nashville, you know, those, any, any opportunity I had to come down here to write with somebody, to meet somebody, to see what the music business was about. I was here. And so, you know, it, there's a little bit of sacrifice, but it's yep. this commitment. And it's because I set that goal of this is what I want to do. You know, goal setting is important. Oh, 100%. And also having people in your life that support you with that is important. It sounds like your wife was supportive, at least that you could do that. Well, my wife, uh, you know, was really on board when she came to Nashville with me and was like, there's so many coffee shops here. (laughs) (laughs) 
the way to her heart is the coffee shop. So I was like, Oh, yeah. really? So she loves coffee shops. Let's move to Nashville. You can have as much coffee as you want. Oh yeah. They're everywhere. And they're good ones too. <laughs> and now she's in love with the whole scene. You know, she loves writers rounds and she loves going to the basement East for shows. And, you know, she loves Robert's Western world on Broadway. And so do I, you know, now we're both in love with Nashville. That's great. So that's great. So she's loving it too. Oh yeah. Oh, that's fantastic, man. There's always been a good vibe here, but there's a great energy here now. You can feel this town exploding into a uh, a big city, you know, where it's been yeah. a medium-sized city for a long time. And really, when I moved here 26 years ago, it was Mayberry. You know what I mean? Mm. It was like one Italian, good Italian restaurant, one steakhouse, one Japanese hibachi place, you know, literally. <laughs> It was it was a little it was a smaller town when I moved here and we we've really seen it change and it's all what was the scene like like was the music scene all just Broadway or were there other places around town It was more completely fo- focused on music row it all happened right there Well killer man we should listen to your song let me pull it up This is a Daniel song it's called Ball Cap we'll uh, play it now and we'll discuss on the other side here we go spend all day trying to hook one worth bragging about there's rips in the mesh and sweat on the rim he'll be outside when he's clocked in it's racetracks it's bass pro snapback or velcro it's where you're from where you've been Home team on bandwagon, outfielders, cornfielders, truck drivers, salt lifers. You've seen where somebody's heart's at. Have you seen their ball cap? Have you seen their ball cap? A brim hanging too loose on a six-year-old Babe Ruth means he's starting his big league dream. A white cross on a red hat means she saved some lives that were swept out too far from the beach. There's ribbons and pins and American flags. That's a hero who made it back. It's racetracks, it's bass pro, snapback or velcro. It's where you're from, where you've been. Home team on bandwagon, outfielders, cornfielders, truck drivers, salt lifers. You've seen where somebody's heart's at. Have you seen their ball cap? Have you seen their ball cap? Forward or backward, concrete or red dirt, wear it proud and wear it out. It's racetracks, it's bass pro, snapback or velcro. It's where you're from, where you've been. Home team or bandwagon, outfielders, cornfielders, truck drivers, salt lifers. You've seen where somebody's heart's at. If you've seen their ball cap, let me see your ball cap. Man. 
That is so great. Thank you. Let me, let me, let's just start with a couple things for the kids listening at home. <laughs> Number one, nouns, nouns, nouns. I always try to say that when you dump and look, you don't want a noun dump. Okay. It's got to have meaning, but nouns give visuals, right? So when you're tracking with that song, man, it's like you're, you're, you're giving us all these visuals that properly uh, dropped in, add up to emotion. You know, you have a great lift in the chorus. So we get that. And then um, I think, I think it's really good. It's really heartfelt. It's an interesting take. It's a, a easy visual. It's like, Sometimes you'll hear some songs like two hours later, you say, oh, yeah, so-and-so played me a song. And you're like, and they're like, yeah, what's it called? And you're like, uh, it was really good. It was about a, that, uh, but uh, I can't remember the name, right? This one, ball cap, you'll remember, yeah. right? It's like, what's a song called? Oh, you might go, it's a thing about a hat. Is, oh, ball cap. That's, you know, so it's like, it's memorable. Um, I think it has a lot of stuff going for it. Do you have, I forgot to ask you, do you have co-writers on the song? If you do, we should list them. Who? Yeah, for sure. I uh, wrote that with Ryan Brasati and Michael Keys. Okay. And it was it was Ryan's idea because he had just been traveling and and he said uh you know at the airport he saw all these people with ball caps and it kind of represented where they were from and in and, and I said well maybe it was where they were going. Uh you know, like when yeah, or where they want where they want to go, where, where they, they want to be. be. And uh, and then we realized that all, all three of us in the room were wearing a ball cap that represented something. And we're like, oh, yeah, we got to write that. We got to write that idea. Did, was it a tough co-writer or did it go pretty easy? Uh, pretty easy. I mean, the, the one challenge was that we, we wanted to make it special. Like mm -hmm. it would have been pretty easy to just talk about, you know, your home team and have the whole song be about your hometown. Right. Or... Um, you know, make the whole song about the the brand that you like, or it being camo and being outdoors. And but so we we tried to pick some unique stuff in there. Like I don't know how many songs I've heard about lifeguards yet, mm -hmm. uh, but also stuff that's common to everybody. You know, you're it's the the home team or the bandwagon. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Well, and you try to get the overall big picture universal yeah. and like uh we say uh specific is the most universal you've got all these specific images but they all add up to a big picture that's inclusive you know right. like you said you could have written it focused on your hometown or a team or a sport or a lifestyle and you you've kind of included everybody yeah and the push i mean we talked a lot about it in the right the push was okay so it's that kind of hat but what what does that kind of hat say about the guy wearing it Right. You know, what is that guy doing while he's wearing the hat? So there's you know, the, the further into the character you can go, the further into the story you can go, the more I feel like it's going to relate to people. Well, and just like screenwriting or novels, um, you, as you, the, the writers may have lengthy discussions about a character that go very deep and, on the in the actual song or the actual book we may scratch the surface of what we're going to actually talk about we're only going to get this much of the character but the writer knows so much more mm. which actually lets you know how your character really is going to act and respond right yeah and that's another thing like i've seen in when you're doing story songs it's good to spend a lot of time talking about who these people are 
you, you're not going to write all this in the song, but it's good to know, like it, because it'll inform what choices they're going to make. It's much easier to say my character would do this or my character would not do this if I know where he went to high school and when he got his heart broken first. <laughs> yeah. And but the audience doesn't need to know that, but it's the writers we do. Well, um, and it sets the stage for a sequel, right? There you or go. Prequel. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's all you know, in that same way, in this song, there's essentially six to eight characters mm -hmm. that we talk about, not including all the people that are just name dropped in the chorus. So, you know, maybe me and Ryan and Michael should get together and, and write the story about how each of those eight people had got their first heartbreak. Yeah. There's eight songs right there. There you go. There's eight songs. You got me thinking about the uh, the old days, man. I am hoping that uh, at some point we get some sort of historic overlay or someone to get in there and really get serious about protecting Music Row on those two streets, you know, because yeah. the publishing company is not going to be able to maintain the kind of rent pressure that's going to develop, you know, just from competition. Yeah. I always think about that in the context of the business, right? Like in 1968, country music as a business was the size of a business that could be run out of a couple houses. That's right. But now country music is global and huge and a billion dollar business. It doesn't fit in a little house anymore. Mm -mm. So, you know, no. I like, I agree with you that they're, you know, the history should be protected, but I also think the fact that some of these publishing companies are moving to bigger, greener pastures mm -hmm. is a success story. It is a success story. I'm hoping it continues to be one. Our heyday, mm -hmm. me and Amy and my friends, you know, it had become a huge business. I mean, artists were selling 10 million records, you know, right. Um, that was unusual, but a lot of artists sold four and everybody sold one or two. So it was just like there was, it, it got way bigger for the nineties and the early two thousands or good chunk of the two thousands and tens, uh, with the streaming thing, publishing's really taking a hit, you know, so we'll have to see on the publishing. I think the labels are in great shape. Yeah. Um, all right, man, we could talk forever. Daniel, I love your song. I'm so glad you could be on uh, Pitch List. And I think you got a great story. I think our listeners will be inspired by your story, man. And I really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, this is Daniel Leathersitch on Pitch List. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List, produced in partnership with the American Songwriter Podcast Network. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast or your preferred listening platform. And if you want, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review. For exclusive content from this week's guest and more, you can visit our website at pitchlistpodcast.com or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Plus, don't forget to let us know on social media what songwriter, musician, or music business professional you want to hear from next. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>